This is one of those, uh, you got to study a whole lot to prepare for a sermon like this. Not that I don't study a whole lot to prepare for all other sermons. It kind of sounded like I didn't. So, but I do. But when you, when you are studying Old Testament related to New Testament in the blood covenants, what we're talking about, uh, when you start reading all the, the different theologians, what they say about it in the commentaries, and, but you really focus on what the Word says about the covenants, you see how important blood covenants are in the Word of God, how, they, how important they were to God. And so we started this series of intimacy with God, and it was just going to be a one sermon. It wasn't going to be a series. And then God said, no, that's what, your pe- what the people need. They need to learn how to be intimate with God. And that's, that's where the focus has been for the first, second, third, fourth, and now the fifth week of intimacy with God. So as I'm studying about the blood and the blood covenant, uh, I thought well, we should have started with this one because without the blood covenant, we really can't have intimacy with God. We just can't. Because you don't get to know, you don't know him without the blood being applied. You understand that? So when we talk about blood covenants, there are basically three blood covenants, and, and you, can, you can actually look at different ways to look at this, but I want, I want to focus on there are three blood covenants uh, I feel like that were uh, that attached to the new covenant. The old covenant was the Abrahamic covenant, and then the sub covenant was with Moses, but then the new covenant in the blood was with Jesus Christ. So the title of the sermon today is being brought near by the blood. Brought near by the blood, okay? Ephesians 2, verse 11 says, this is kind of the where I want to start from. Uh, therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles, this is Paul speaking. Therefore, you remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. So, it's, in other words, it's the Jews are calling the Gentiles the uncircumcised because they have been circumcised. And, okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, made in flesh by hands. Circumcision was done with hands. That at that time you were without Christ. He's talking about the Gentiles being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So he's, 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 Paul's setting the stage and he's saying, I'm preaching to the Gentiles. I'm writing to the Gentiles. Listen, once, in, once you were not a part of the covenant, but you were a part of the covenant. And you're going to see that in a minute. It's like you weren't, but you were. Because it was a future thing for us as Gentiles. Say, if you're not Jewish, if you're not a Jew this morning, you are a Gentile. Uh, you're a non-Jew. So how many Gentiles do we have here this morning? So I know some of you have some Jewish blood in you. Uh, our, our son in love is, is Jew. He's fully Jewish. I know Mario Gomez is, is, has some Jewish blood in him. Uh, but anybody, anybody else in here that has Jewish blood in them? I'm, Ron Campbell. Who else? Anybody else? Corinne? All right. So, so some of you have Jewish bloods, and you can trace that if you go to that one of those Ancestry.coms or something. But you might find out what, what, your, what your ancestry looks like. But Paul's talking to, to Gentiles here, and he said, you're going to be brought near, brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, say, I was far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Say, I have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, that is a, it was a covenant promise that God made. Now, here's what a covenant is, an agreement between two parties. Anybody ever sign a contract? 
Most, if, if you've ever bought a car, unless you paid cash for it, or if you bought a house, which most people can't pay cash for a house, some people can, but most people can't, you sign a contract. Did you know that you've made an agreement with the bank or the, or the lender that you're going to pay them back, and they've made an agreement with you that they're going to pay for your house, and then you're going to pay them back. It's an agreement. It's a covenant. It's a contract. A promise. A promissory note. Whatever you want to call it, it's an agreement, and that's what covenants were. So... In the Bible, though, there, there, were, there were three basic blood covenants. Now, back in that day, blood covenants were not uncommon. We're, not, we're talking about anybody that was making some kind of a land purchase or they were buying somebody's cattle. Back in the times, they made blood covenants. And we're going to see that, uh, how God used that same type of blood covenant with Abraham to show him that how he was going to bless him. Okay, So we're brought near by the blood of Jesus. Remember in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, it says they, after Peter preached the message, the, the, all the Jews there said they were, they were cut to the heart. The another word for covenant is to cut. So when you talk about, have you ever heard the, the expression to cut a deal? Well, that comes from this word covenant. That means to cut. So when we talk about a covenant, we're talking about blood because we're talking about somebody being cut or something being cut, an animal or a person being cut. How many of you have ever made a... a, a when you were kids, you, you cut your finger and let a little blood come out, and your friend cut their finger and a little blood come out, and you rubbed your fingers together. Anybody do that? Okay, yeah, y'all need to repent from that. Okay? But y'all understand, this has been around a lot for thousands of years, blood covenants. So we're going to, I want to lay the groundwork. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, because we could spend all day on the Abraham covenant. We could spend all day on the Moses covenant, and we could spend all of them of our lifetime on the new covenant. So I want to just lay some groundwork on why God did it or how he did it. I don't know exactly why he did it, but I know how he did it and how he, he wanted us to enter into a covenant. The other part I want to mention about this covenant he's talking about here in Ephesians is, is, the, is circumcision. So this is the coolest thing. I want to just throw this in here because I, I was just studying this. There are some churches, even, even Protestant churches, that baptize babies. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not just Catholic churches. I think Presbyterian churches, some Methodist churches, and they baptize babies. You know where they get the, you know where they get the, bless you, God bless you. Uh, you know where they, where they come up with the idea that, that it's okay to baptize babies in a Protestant faith? Because in the Old Testament, Jewish babies were what? Circumcised before they were believers. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? So they, if circumcision for us, in a sense, is the water baptism, it can be one sign of our, our salvation, they use that as a, a way of saying, well, we can baptize babies. And we don't baptize babies here because I don't believe that it, scripturally it, it will hold up because babies don't make decisions. And uh, only, only when you come to an age of accountability can you make that decision. Okay, so just one thing, that was free of charge. So the first thing is we see is there, there's a promise before the covenant. There's always a promise before a covenant. Uh, Genesis 12, 2 and 3 says, I will make you a great nation. This is God speaking to Abram. His name had not yet been changed to Abraham, but if I say it back and forth, it's the same. Okay? I will make you a great nation, God says. I will bless you and make your name great. Say, Abraham, I want to make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families, say all the families. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So th there we are. We're in the Bible right there. We're way back in Genesis. We are part of all the families. I'm, I'm all in the family. 
Archie Bunker's everywhere, right? We're all, we're all a part of the family because he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. See, you're going to see in a minute where we're part of this covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. Then look at Gen, uh, Galatians 3, 8, and 9 because we're going to compare the show, go back and forth between Old and New Testament. The promise that, that God gave to Abraham includes us in the future sense. And the scripture, verse 8 says, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, say by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, and you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So when you came to Jesus Christ, you came to him by faith, right? By, it was faith. He says you can't, you can't come to him unless you come in by faith. We, 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 God's given you a measure of faith to believe. We talk about that all the time here. You didn't just one day. I, that, that's why it's weird because you can't just decide someday, I think I want to get saved today. Okay? God gives you a measure of faith. He gives you an appointed time. And so he's the one that draws you. He's the one that woos you. Because people that say, today I think I'll get saved. I'll, I'll, I'll pray the prayer and all that. Listen, normally, more than likely, they don't get saved because there was nothing in their heart. To, there was no faith in their heart. They just had something in their mind that says, I can say this and I'll go to heaven. That's why we have so many People going around the world saying, well, I'm, I'm a Christian because I belong to a church. I'm a Christian because I'm from America. I'm a Christian because I, I, signed, the, I signed my name on a dotted line one time or I watched the preacher on TV. Listen, if there's no heart change, if there's no faith involved, involved then you're giving your life to Jesus Christ. And so he says, by faith, and, and you go back and read, uh, um, man, I'm getting excited about this. And go back and read Hebrews 11 and uh, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith they came. And that's how we come today, by faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. So God, was, God called Abraham out of his hometown. He gave him some promises. And he said, and you go back, and I want you to go back and read some of these uh, uh, scriptures I'm giving you because there are just too many for me to read today. Go back and read the 15th chapter of Genesis. And, and God was reminding uh, uh, Abraham of the covenant that he had made with him and his initial calling. But he said, I want you to do something. So here's where we enter in to the Abrahamic covenant or the Abraham covenant. I like to say Abraham covenant. It's just much easier to say than the Abrahamic, okay? It sounds like a hammock at the end. Abe's, Abe's hammock. Genesis 15, verse 9. This is God speaking. So he said to him, he said, Abraham, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And then he brought all these to him and cut them in two. Now, Abraham is the one that cut them in two. Down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. Okay? Now, I started to bring some animals in here today, and we were going to show you, and just, but it probably wasn't going to work really well. It would be really messy. But can you, can, you, can you envision this, animals, cut in two, half over here and half over here and half here and half here? And got down to the end, there were two birds. Didn't cut the birds in half. Some people think that's why uh, Abraham should have cut the birds in half. That's why they went into to slavery for 400 years. I don't know. But the birds probably set one bird here and one bird there. Okay? Y'all got the picture? All right. So he said, I want you to cut these animals. And now, now listen, this is not unusual. You might think, well, that is just gross. And, and I think it's kind of gross too. Uh, 
But that wasn't unusual for covenants like that. With, like I said earlier, with the land and, and, and between kings and, and between countries, they, they made these, this oath. And it was just like we think nothing of going out and signing a contract, right? But we, somebody had to start that. So they had this way of making sure that you kept your oath, you kept your word. Because a, an, an agreement is between what? Parties, two people, two, two, two countries, whatever it is. It's between two. One's got to hold up their end of the bargain. The other has to hold up their end of the bargain. Y'all getting the idea? Okay, so if the bank says, I'll loan you the money for a car and you don't, pay, you don't make your payments, guess what the bank does? You didn't hold up your agreement. I'm picking up your car. Okay, y'all getting the idea? So he said, Abraham, I want you to do this. And gonna, I want you to lay these things out. And he says, now we're going to cut a covenant. All right, we're going to cut a covenant. We're going to cut a deal. But here's the thing. God put Abraham to sleep. Now think of this. And you walk through the animals, the sacrifices. God did. God walked between. And he did it in the form of a smoking pot and a, I forgot what it was. He, he, he walked through them with a, it's in here somewhere. Anyway, he walked through them. Okay, he walked through them. And he said, now the covenant has struck, the deal has been struck. Now, what is different about this? You can go back and you can go later. You can read uh, Jeremiah 34, and you'll see what the results of a covenant, a blood covenant when people weren't on it. Ooh, the consequences were big time. Horrible consequences. You don't want to break a covenant with God, okay? So God said, Abraham, you can't break this covenant because it's not up to you. I'm going to make this covenant. This is going to be the real deal. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great. Listen, Abraham, this is not about you. It's about me. I'm going to keep my end of the bargain. Whether you keep your end of the bargain or not, I'm going to bless Israel. And he is. He's going to keep his promise. At the end, he's going to keep his promise. He's going to bless the nation, the country of Israel. But listen, we were included in this promise because he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless all the families in the earth. All the families, all the families, I'm a part of the family of God. Are you a part of the family of God? Yes. Woo, I'm telling you, when, when you go to, it'd be like signing a, a deal with the bank. The banker says, hey, if you don't pay for the car, it's no big deal. We got you covered. Wouldn't that be awesome? Does that make sense? Because the, the banker says, I'm going to be faithful and I'm, I've got to answer to the board and I trust you. And even if you can't make the payments, I'm going to make them. That's kind of kind of way, way it is right here with God. He says, Abraham, I, I know. See, Abraham wasn't, he wasn't perfect after this. He wasn't perfectly obedient. Matter of fact, he wasn't supposed to get uh, his, his slave girl pregnant. He wasn't supposed to start out with Ishmael. And he did the very things that he wasn't supposed to do. And God said, I'm still going to bless you. I'm still going to bless you because I made a covenant with you and I made an oath. And here's the thing. He said, I swore by myself. You ever hear people say, well, I swear to so-and-so. I swear to, I swear on my mother's grave. He said, I can't, God can't swear on anybody greater than him because he's the greatest. So he had to swear by his own name. So he said, listen, I can't swear. This is me. I am going to do this, Abraham. We've got to get this picture in our mind because when you see this with Jesus, it's going to go, woo. It's going, to be, it's going to blow you away. Let's look at Hebrews 6.13. Now, this had some big, crazy words in it. So I found a new life version, and, and I think it's, it's, more, it's more simple to understand it this way. It says, when God made a promise to Abraham, he made that promise in his own name because no one was greater. 
He said, I will make you happy. That means blessed in so many ways. For sure, I will give you many children. Abraham was willing to wait and God, and God gave to him what he had promised. And when men make a promise, they use a name greater than themselves. They do, not, they do this to make sure that they will do what they promise. Okay, when people make, they swear on somebody else. This way, no one argues about it. And so God made a promise and he wanted to show Abraham that he would never change his mind. So he made the promise in his own name. God gave these two things that cannot be changed and God cannot lie. God cannot lie. It's he can't, he can't. He's he's perfect. He's trustworthy. So God gave him these two things that cannot be changed. God cannot lie. We who have him can have great comfort knowing that he will do what he has promised. Man, that's a big amen. God will do what he has promised in your life. If he said you're sealed to redemption, you're sealed until the day of redemption. Amen. If he says, I've got you in the palm of my hand and nobody can snatch you from my hand, that's a promise that you can take to the bank. That you can take to heaven. Because he, he's, he's God. He doesn't lie. He makes these promises to us. So Adam and his descendants, they could trust. They could count on God. They could believe everything that God promised. So that's kind of giving you a background on the Abraham covenant. Now let's look at the, Mos- the Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic covenant was the second covenant of blood. But it was different than the Abraham covenant. Because... It says in, uh, let's look at Hebrews 9, 19. If you want to really learn a lot about the covenants, go to Hebrews. Just read the book of Hebrews. It talks about the covenants a whole bunch. Hebrews 9, 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself, that's the book of the law, and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant. Say, blood of the covenant. Which God has commanded you. This is not the Abrahamic covenant. This is a different covenant. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Remember Moses went up on a mountain and he got the laws. And he came back down. And he, of course they, he saw them partying and he got mad and he broke the laws. He had to go back up and he had to come back down with the law. And he brought down all the laws. You can, re, you can read all the laws in, in the Old Testament or in the Torah. You can find out all the laws. I think there are 613 of them that, that given the people. And he, he, he came back down and he said, but we're, we're going we're gonna to make a blood covenant with the people. Okay? And he said, he started spring. He, he took the animals. They cut the animals open. He took the blood of the animals and he started putting it on the tabernacle, on the books. And then he put it on the people. Okay? Put it on the people. And he said, are you going to serve me? And they, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to serve you. Will you follow? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to follow me. Follow you. See, this was a conditional covenant. He said, I will be, I will do for you, but you've got to be it to me. You've got to keep the law. You know, Mary Lou and I were talking about the laws, and I thought, you know, we talk about 613 laws and what it had to be. How, I was asking her, I said, didn't it seem like God was complicated in the Old Testament? He really did, doesn't it? You, you read the laws, read, read, read Leviticus if you want to have some fun reading, and you'll, you'll, you'll find out, man, man, this just seems difficult. All these laws that you've given. And then I got to thinking, for them, it probably wasn't. How many laws do you think we have in our country? Thousands? Books? Do you think about them every day? You, do you get up thinking about, oh, I've got wa- to watch the speed limit today. That's, it's a law. We, we're not supposed to break the law. But we have all these laws. That's why we have people to enforce the what? The law. And there are a lot of people that just want to break the law. 
And there are tons of laws, and that's why we have tons of lawyers to help people navigate through that. That's why we have so many judges. That's why we have a Supreme Court, and we have uh, states that we have all these laws that we have to that we have to navigate through. And so Moses said, "Oh, you're going to keep the law." And they said, "Oh, yeah, we're going to keep the law." But could they keep the law? It's impossible. It's impossible for, for them to keep the law. I and mean, what was the law for? How many of you sped on your way to church this morning? Okay, you just come on here. It's the repentance. You just, the Walter's right here. B? B? We, we break the laws, don't we? And how many of us think we could keep all the laws that God has for us to keep? We'd be at the... It's kind of like when my mother told me, you know, I could lose my salvation every time I sinned. And I said, well, just, I said, just keep me in the water, Mom. <laughs> I said, there's ain't no hope for me, you know. Just keep me I'd be all pickled, shriveled up, you know. And, because we can't. And, and God knew that, but he needed a guideline. See, I, I know that officers that are, are called to enforce the law, I know they know people's speed. And they don't give everybody a ticket. They don't give everybody a ticket that runs red lights. Sometimes they just give them warnings. They should give them a ticket. But, but they give them warnings. But there, there, has to be, there has to be a plumb line, Randy. There has to be a, this is not right. You can't go past this or it's breaking the law. Some people say, oh, I would just like to, I would like there to be no speed limits. What, really? How many people would be killed right in front of our church if, the speed, if there were no speed limits? Say so we like the law because when it, when it suits us, we like the law. But if we're late for something, we want to get to Freedom Fellowship from Ballinger, we feel like the law, I can break the law and be, and, and I can drive 85 or 90. Are y'all getting the idea of this? There's a, a blood covenant, and Moses said, this is the covenant I make with God. God says, keep my laws. And they say, oh, yes, we'll keep your laws. And just, just in case we don't, we'll go as you, as you described, and we'll give a sacrifice at the temple once a year to cleanse us from our sins. Remember that. So there's the second blood covenant. That's the Mosaic blood covenant. Hebrews 9.22 says, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. In other words, an animal's life traded for your life is not good enough. Your life is much more value than a, a valuable than a goat's. Meh, right? Your life is much more valuable than a cow's or a pigeon's or a dove's life. And that's what he was saying, that the blood, the blood, without the shedding of blood, there can really be no remission of sin. So he had, a, he had something in place after the Abrahamic to keep the people in line. Because without the law, we wouldn't even know we're sinning, right? So that's, that's the reason for the Mosaic law. And God says, now the time, the time is coming near when this is not going to be in effect anymore. We're going we're to look at that in just a second. Look at nine, Hebrews 9.23. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. In other words, what Moses did was good. It was just a copy of what was coming through Jesus Christ. Okay? Hebrews 10.4. For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Why do you think that, that the writer of Hebrews went over and over and over the covenants with them? Why do you think? Because that's all they knew. All their life, Kristen, that's all they knew. 
It's just like however you're raised and you think everything is the way you're raised and everything until you get outside of the house. You think everything, everybody eats like you do and everybody dresses like you do and everybody does all, you know, watches the same things. You get outside, you find, oh, no, everybody's, everybody's different. Everybody does lots of different things. But the Jewish people, man, they had, they had a ceremony. They had rituals all through their life. They said, this is how you do. You don't, you don't do this on the Sabbath. You don't walk too far. You don't, you don't, you don't work at all on the Sabbath. You, you save up your food on the sundown before and then you act the sundown on Saturday then you can start eating again but they had all these rules and regulations that they had to do that was their life that's all they knew they knew about circumcision they knew about going to the temple they knew about the sacrifices they knew about the lamb Amen. they knew about the sacrifice of the lamb they knew all that so the Hebrews says the guys listen Jesus changed all of that he fulfilled the law when, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, I am of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. The perfect sacrifice is here. He's here. He's the lamb. He's innocent. He's pure. He's holy. He's the son of God. So when Jesus came, he established the new covenant. So let's look at the new covenant in Jesus' blood. Hebrews 9, 24. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself. Not to appear in the presence of God for us, not that he should offer himself often as a high priest enters a holy, most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have had to offer, suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifices of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judge Christ was offered once, say once, to bear the sins of many. Say, I'm part of the many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Hallelujah. Praise God for the, for the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ that brings us near. He said, he's, he's at the right hand of the Father. And God's not going to kill him every day for everybody's sins. He's just going to die once for everybody's sins. He died 2,000 years ago for the sins that you're committing, 2,000 and the sins that I'm committing 2,000 years later. Is that mind-blowing or what? Amen. He said, he's enough. See, God requires a perfect sacrifice. And it's like God looked around and hmm, who can I get to be the perfect sacrifice could it be Abraham? Could it be Moses? Could it be, uh, could it be Daniel? Could it, um, no, I think I, I know who it is. There's only one. It's my son, Jesus. This is my son, Jesus. How many of you could die for your children? How many of you would die for your children? How many, would, how many of you would let your children die for you? Different story, isn't it? That's a greater love. That's a greater love. A greater love. And he's coming back for his church. He's coming back. Jesus said in Luke twenty two twenty. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. New covenant. I don't know what they thought when they were sitting around that table. I know Judas was there and he got him left. And, but the other 11 are like, oh, Jesus, we, we know about the covenants. 
We know about Abraham. We know about Moses. But what do you mean a new covenant? In your blood. See, earlier he had said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me in the kingdom. And they were like, what do you mean by that? And he said, I'm talking spiritually here. I'm talking about spiritually. And so they knew about the blood of Jesus. He had already talked to them, to them about the blood of Jesus. But here he's saying, I've got a new covenant. I've cut a new deal with the people. And this, this new covenant is going to include everyone. It's the one Abraham was talking about. When God said, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. This is the covenant he was talking about. This is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. We're tied to Abraham, guys. Whatever blessings he had, we still, are, we still get those blessings. Whether you're a good, good Christian or not, we're tied to those things because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The, same, the reason it's the same kind of covenant, because Jesus said, you don't have to do anything. Lorenzo, you don't have to go to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Charlotte, you don't have to go to the cross. Hmm. Mario, you don't have to go to the cross. Sandy, you don't have to go to the cross. Think about it. Say, I don't have to go to the cross. I don't have to go to the cross. He said, I've got a better way. I've got a better way. Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross for you. It's for the joy of the cross. He said, he looked at us and he said, you are my joy. I'm going to the cross for you. I'm, I'm making a better covenant. And it doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. How great is our God? We're not so great. You know, we're only great because the blood covers us. We're only righteous because his righteousness covers us. We're only good because of the goodness of God. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. But he covers us like the prodigal son. He comes and puts the robe of righteousness around us and covers us. He said, I've got, a new, I've got a better way for you, Harold. I've got a better way for you, Mary Lou. I've got a better way for you, Christy. My covenant doesn't depend on how good you are. It depends on you just trusting me. It just depends on you believing that I am the son of God, that I saved the world. And it, just, it depends on your... F and listen, faith is not works. You understand that? Just because you believe that isn't a work that you did. Some people like to equate faith with works. No, works come after faith. Because of your faith, you do works. You don't, when you get a gift, is it because you work for a gift? No, because the gift was free. If you had to work for a gift, it's not a gift. He said, he said salvation is a gift. Grace is a gift. Holy Spirit's a gift. And so we think, oh, I've got to work. I've got to work. I've got to work. I've got to please God. I've got to jump through all these hoops. I've got to do it. No. God said, you just love me. You come to me. You trust me and put your life in my hands and see what I will do through you. And then the good works will come. He says he's already prepared those beforehand for those who love him. The works will come. But don't think you're going to work to get there because then that would diminish the power of the cross if you think you can work to get to heaven. He did the work. He did the work. He did the suffering. He did the dying. He did the bleeding. We didn't. Galatians 3.15 says, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed on the, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. 
He does not say and to seeds of, as of many, but as of one and to your seed. Capital S, who is Christ? The seed. You see, this, you want know what was so important for Abraham to, to be the father of many nations because Jesus came out of his lineage. That's why, God's, <clears throat> that's why God said to Abraham, he didn't say this, I'm just paraphrasing in my mind. God said, Abram, if you don't come through, it's okay because I've got this. And my son's coming out of your lineage. You don't even know this, Abraham. But Jesus is going to be born of the lineage of Abraham. Isn't that amazing? Thousands of years ago, he made this plan for us. Are y'all with me this morning? Because when I'm studying, I was kind of getting bogged down in all the seeds of all the sacrifices and all that. And God just said, no, that's not, you just need to get up and, just share from your, from your heart how this is supposed to look and how we're supposed to respond to it. Galatians 3 says, Therefore now know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Did you give your, did, have you given your life to Christ? Then you can say this, I'm a son of Abraham. I've been grafted in. I've been adopted. 3.29 says, And if you are Christ... Then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I've told people when I get to heaven, you know, everybody has their idea what they want to do when they get to heaven. And uh, one of the things I want to see, I want to see the videos. I want God just, I just want to see the videos of, of how the Red Sea parted and I want to see the ark. And I, I, just, want, I just think God can, we can just do that. We just like, hey, I want to see that. What did Adam and Eve really look like naked? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you ever think about that I, it's going to be way better than the Charlton Heston version I want to see that stuff I want, I want to see the fire come down Mount Carmel you know I, and I, I want to see that stuff and I think we can do that but one of the things I really want to do when I get to heaven is trace my lineage way better than ancestries.com I want to go back from my mother to her parents to grand. I, want, I see how it goes back all the way to Adam and Eve That's, and wouldn't that be cool have to see the Tower of Babel come down in the process, but that'll be cool too. So, uh, but I, I, I trace our lineage, our hair. That's why it's so important that we are part of the legacy that we're going to pass on. So when your children say, when I get to heaven, I want to trace my roots back to Jesus or back to Adam because my mom and daddy told me about Jesus. Okay, I got a couple more scriptures and we're going to do communion. So just kind of hits up. Hebrews 10. I told you there's a lot of information in Hebrews 10. But this is probably one of the best four or five verses to, to speak of the New Covenant. And again, we don't necessarily know who the writer of Hebrews is, but they were anointed by God. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. We're brothers and sisters. Because of the blood of Jesus, and he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. Every time you go, every time you pray, you're going into the holy of holies. You know that? You used to have a priest go in there for everybody. You had to bring him a goat or something, and then he would go in and pray on your behalf. We get to go into the throne room of grace because of the blood. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two 
Remember the, the animals that were split in two. Just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. Y'all see the covenant picture here? And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. Nothing. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove, to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. So now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. When you came, gave your life to Jesus, your heart was just laid open. And faith entered in. You were circumcised in your heart. And you gave your life to Christ. You said, I'm no turning back. I'm following him. Following Jesus for the rest of my life. Colossians 2.11, in closing. Paul says this, Through our union with him, with Jesus, we have experienced circumcision of heart, all of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away. Say cut away. Cut away. And is now extinct because of what Christ the Anointed One has accomplished for us. Woo! Isn't that awesome? Isn't God's Word awesome? Isn't it powerful? This morning I want you to understand He did that for you. He did that for me. He cut a covenant with us through the blood of Jesus Christ now, how many of you got a card this morning about the 10 benefits of the blood covenant? Can you hold it up? Raise it up? I want to I tell you these. Real, I wanna, if you didn't get a copy, well, hopefully there's still some out there. But here's 10 things, and we're just, I'm just going to read them out and not reading the scripture. 10 benefits of Jesus' blood covenant. It satisfies God's righteous requirement. We are justified. We're rendered innocent. We are redeemed from sin. We are washed clean. We are sanctified and made holy. His blood can cleanse our conscience. It provides us open access to God himself. It brings us near to God. It reconciles us and provides us peace. And his blood continues to overcome the devil, the enemy. That's what the blood does. And I'm sure there are many, many more. But that's just 10 things that the blood covenant does for you. And it does for me. So you believe in the blood covenant with Jesus Christ? Do you believe in it? Do you trust the blood to cover your sins, to wash them away? Amen. 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 Just bow your heads.